Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in our weakness. We come to you in the weariness of our flesh. We come to you in our spiritual poverty. And we ask that you would be with us, that you would send your spirit upon us, that you would move us and shake us and encourage us through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. We pray for all those who are suffering persecution for your namesake in this day. We pray for those who are sharing your word, that it would go forth in its power and its truth. And we pray for each of us that you would motivate us and move us regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in, that your spirit would speak to the hearts and the lives of each one today. All these things we ask and pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So this week, I've had a lot of different thoughts in my mind, and I kind of started out with, uh, with one theme, and as the week went on, it kind of morphed into something else, and again into something else. And I made this experience this week also at, at school where uh, I had developed this one credit course for summer and and uh, winter sessions. And after teaching a course three times, it has to officially be reviewed and then accepted into the canon of courses, or you can't teach it anymore. So this course came up for review. And uh, so at the end of the review, they decided that they should take my one 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 hour course and that I should make two three hour courses out of it. Okay, which. Uh, Kind of, uh, to me, it was kind of a, a quick overview of a lot of different topics, and that was kind of the, uh, the meaning of the course, and especially during the summer semester. Um, but that, that uh, was the, uh, the result of the, the review. So I, 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 as I looked at that, as I apply that to my sermons, I, sometimes I see here, I, I look here, and I think I, I, probably have three, I probably have three sermons here. I probably have a six-hour six hour credit course here. But, um, and I, I'm going to uh, try to, to focus on, uh, on uh, one topic here and pray that the Lord will, will uh, bless it according to his will and purpose. I'd like to read from John chapter 17. So the other thing that has been happening in my life is that uh, we've, been, uh, we've been reading some devotions for the uh, time period before Easter, Lent as it's commonly called. And uh, perhaps I'm a little early here, but our, our Bible class lesson, of course, has been moving along these lines as well. 
So I'd like to read from chapter 17, uh, Jesus' prayer, the great high priestly prayer, it's called. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and they have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst sent me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have by joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for, those, for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I am them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them." I am sure that this chapter alone uh, would be worth a uh, 
a three-hour sermon. But today, what I want to focus on is something that we, we commonly refer to as being in the world, but not of it. And I think if you look at these, these scriptures, you will see this theme running, or this verse, that, this concept, you'll see these, this theme running throughout this scripture. If we look back in John 15, 19, Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Or if we go to 1 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, I'm sorry, 9 through 13, the Apostle Paul says, I wrote unto you in another epistle, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with the idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away this among yourselves, that wicked person. So when we talk about this concept in the world but not of it, we see that we, we realize that uh, we are in the, in the world. Paul says here that, uh, you know, it's not possible, it's not possible for us to, uh, to uh, go out of the world and to av- avoid all contact with, with those that are covetous or extortioners, idolaters, and many other sins he mentions here. So it seems impossible for us to escape these things. And Jesus also prayed in his great high priestly prayer for our protection, that the God would protect his believers and those that are coming after us, including us. And yet in this world, we, we have this struggle you know, we know we are called to be, to be righteous. We know we are called to walk righteously before God, to listen to his spirit, to obey his spirit. And we are, yet we are in the world that is doing the opposite. We are in the world that is filled with uh, sin and is fallen in concept since the original sin. So at times it seems that this causes, I don't know, causes struggles within our within our heart. If we go to John, first John two, verses fifteen through seventeen. 
John says here, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we have this commandment not to love the world or the things that are in the world, and yet every day we wake up and here we are. John counsels us against uh, the lust of the flesh, that is the craving for the physical pleasures of life, the lust of the eyes, cravings that are caused by the things that we see, by the material goods, uh, as mentioned in Bible class this morning, the things that we, we see on social media, things that we see that other people have that we might envy. Uh, in particular, Paul, of course, told us to stay away from, from uh, those that, uh, uh, if a brother is, is covetous or greedy, and finally, the pride of life. What is the pride of life? Could be pride in our self-sufficiency, pride in our human achievements. Could be pride and pride in the things that uh, we we possess. Trying to put our trust in the earthly, physical things that we may have have built up in our lives. And the Apostle John says that all of these are of the world. And the world's going to pass away, and all of these desires with it. But only he that does the will of God will abide forever. James also instructs us, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And yet Jesus said in John 17, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. So we are not giving deliverance in this lifetime, at least, from the world. And yet we have our flesh that has to battle these, these desires every day. And so as Christians, sometimes I can think of three three approaches to this struggle that we have, none of which is particularly biblical, but that we often fall back in. We know it's important for us to be holy. We know it's important for us to avoid these lusts and desires of the world. 
So one response of this might be to hide. We might fear the world, and we might decide the easiest way to, for me to, to live and to avoid these temptations of the world is to hide. Now, some people, of course, would uh, take this completely to ex an extreme. Uh, most people uh, adapt somewhat, you know, this uh, certain passiveness. You know, I, I, go, I go to work or whatever I have to do in the world, and I keep my head down, I keep busy, I avoid, uh, I avoid the lusts of the world, but I also may lose opportunities to engage in the world in ways that Jesus would like us to engage. Well, we talked about Pilate this morning in Bible class, the position he was in, right, where wanting to please the Roman government and yet feeling that, that uh, Jesus was, uh, was innocent and we see different ways that he tried to, to uh, play, play the middle and to, to avoid the, making the difficult decisions. So sometimes, you know, we as Christians, we become passive and we turn towards this, this hiding or this um, non-engagement with the world, and we think that, well, you know, at least, you know, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm staying holy, I'm avoiding entanglement with the world, and we feel like that's, uh, we may feel like that's, that's good enough. Another take on this, and it's somewhat related, is we might fall into passive aggressiveness, where we are passive in the sense and that we are internalizing all of the, the sins and the corruptness of the world around us, and we take this for so long, and then all of a sudden we burst and we we come off as being very angry because we've been internalizing all these things and we have not, we have not engaged in the way that we should be engaging, right? And, you know, I, I think that's, that's a, especially, a, you know, a challenge that I have in my life if we are less, uh, I don't know, if we are less naturally, not naturally outgoing or more uh, focused uh, internally, you know, this is potentially a, a problem that can result. You know, it, at work, I was generally known as, as someone who was very calm, and yet uh, I remember one time something drove me over the edge, and I was very vocal about it, you know, and I remember later on, uh, you know, someone... Something bringing that up, well, that I'm usually very calm, but, but I got very excited about this particular, particular, um, this, this particular uh, challenge at work. And finally, sometimes we see Christians who are overly aggressive, right? They 
don't want to uh, they don't want to be taken down with the the challenge that they don't want to to fall into the sins of this world and so their approach is to attack and i think sometimes today you know we 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 see that again uh, some people are naturally uh, more willing to speak out and uh, sometimes that this aggressiveness, uh, even if it's even if the words are spoken in the right way, the manner or perhaps the uh, tone with which it's said um, tends to come off as overly aggressive. And this may or may not be the uh, believers the believers' fault. Um, I mean, nowadays, of course, we have many people that are very sensitive about a range of topics, and uh, anything may be taken, many things may be taken as aggressive, even if not meant that way. But I think it's incumbent upon us as believers to really think about how we, we present God's word to others. You know, as the Apostle Paul here said in in uh, in Corinthians, we're going to come in contact with the sinners of the world, right? And if we are people who come off as hating the sinners as opposed to the sin, then our our witness is easily lost. And we know that the sins of this world, they really, have not, uh, they really have not changed here in 2,000 years, in 4,000 years, in the lifetime of man. The temptations and the sins have not changed. And so it's incumbent upon us to realize that as believers and to think about how our demeanor shows our love for those that are lost in sin. So if those are three ways that we can come short as believers, what, how do we, how should we handle being in the world, but not of it. So if we look at Jesus, if we look at his example, first of all, it seems to me that Jesus had Intentional interaction with sinners. Now for us as believers, sometimes at the end of uh, the work week, it's easiest for us to withdraw and to go and say, hey, I need a rest from the world. I need to shut, shut things out, shut everything else out because I, I feel... Uh, 
I feel uh, sullied or dirtied from the experiences that I've, that I've made in this week. In the uh, old days when I was at work, back in the 80s, they used to allow smoking in the office. And so every day I'd come home, also in the 80s, of course, we all wore, we wore, those of us in the office, we wore suit coats to work. So I'd come home and I'd hang up my suit coat, and it smelled like cigarettes. So being a non-smoker, that was not, uh, not really my, my favorite smell. You know, we, we advanced here into the, uh, into the, the late 80s where uh, our employee association uh, sold us little, little uh, desk fans so that we could blow the smoke away from ourselves. Not sure that was very effective, but, uh, but uh, did not help my, my suit coat smell at least either anyway. But the thing is, is that a lot of times, you know, we, we come home and we... Uh, we say, wow, glad I'm out of that, glad I'm out of that sinful environment, glad I'm out of the, the world, you know, I want to come home and I want to tr retreat, retreat. And yet here we know, if we, if we look at Jesus, we see the way that he was always ready to engage these random sinners that came to him. We see the woman at the well, Disciples went into town to buy food. Jesus stayed at, the, at this well, and this woman came up to him who was a Samaritan. Jesus was Jewish, of course. The Samaritans were, were uh, disdained by the Jews because uh, although they had uh, been of Jewish origin, they had intermarried, and that they were, they were looked down upon by the Jews. And yet, Jesus engaged her in a conversation. We see the lepers that came to Jesus. You know, nobody wanted to come within 10 feet of a leper, and yet Jesus engaged them. We think of the woman at the well also. It was bad for a rabbi to speak with a woman. This was looked down upon. Rabbis were not supposed to speak to women. So Jesus broke a number of taboos here, but he was always ready to engage sinners. And I was touched this week here by a testimony I heard about a woman who uh, defined herself as a Mary Magdalene and how she came to the Lord. And what I was struck by is the, not so much her, the testimony that she gave or the sin that Jesus took her out of, my, the thing that really touched my heart was the response of believers 
to her seeking that believers came and engaged her in spite of her sin. They did not see her as a someone who was unreachable. They did not look down upon her, but they came and they met her where she was. So if we think about how Jesus interacted with sinners, again, one of the things that touched my heart about this woman's testimony was what she called divine appointments. You know, every day we go to work, and we, I especially, I am task-focused. I have tasks that I need to be done. I want to get through these tasks, and I want to check them off my checklist. But as Jesus went through life, while he had a definite purpose and calling, he had all these interruptions, right? We see he was going to heal heal someone, and the woman with an issue of blood came and stopped him in his tracks, and he took this big detour to deal with her issues. And a lot of times in life, you know, we, we have enough, uh, we think we have enough challenges that we would prefer, prefer not to, not to, uh, add other challenges to our lives. We would be easy, it's easier for us to uh, not be ready for divine appointments. We look at the woman at the well again. To me, this is a very divine appointment. Jesus was there. The disciples were gone. The woman came to the well, and Jesus engaged her in a conversation. You know, too, too often we think that to engage somebody in a conversation, you know, we, we, I don't know, what, what should we do, right? What do we have in common? How do we find common ground with a person, right? We see how Jesus reached out to the woman at the well, how he uh, asked her to draw water for, for him, which was, you know, again, because of the cultural situation he was in, was very, very, I don't know, sketchy, so to speak, and she was surprised by this. But a lot of times, you know, we can engage people, we can start a conversation by potentially a very innocuous question or by, uh, just by, by starting a conversation with, with a question and seeing how the person responds and then going from there. You know, sometimes um, I'm shocked by answers, and for me, my first result is when I get shocked, then I, I retreat, and then I go, uh, I go think about it for a while, um, which is not always necessarily bad, but the idea is, is that we, it's important to ask questions, to hear what the other person, what the other person is feeling, what they're experiencing, and to listen, to listen first, Jesus, just as Jesus did with the woman at the well. Um, he made a provocative statement, and then he kind of let, the, uh, he kind of let things unfold uh, just by continuing to ask, to question, ask some questions, to um, work with the woman. 
and all of a sudden, uh, you know, he, he made these statements and uh, um, he obviously had insights that we don't have, but it's important that we're able to, to uh, meet people where they are in life and let the word of God work as it, as it, as it would. If we look at Hebrews 4, Twelve through thirteen. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So we do not have the insight into people's souls that Jesus had, but we do have the word of God and the spirit of God. And one of the things that came out clearly in this testimony that I heard this week was the impact of the word of God on this person's life. You know, she started reading her Bible, and that started changing her. And the word of God, the word of God worked in her, and as the body of believers came alongside and supported her, she was able to make this tremendous change from Mary Magdalene to a new life in Christ. So it's important for us to let the Word of God work, to let the Spirit of God work in our relationships with others. And it's interesting how many times in the Bible that we see, especially in Acts, we see the day of Pentecost where after Peter's sermon, the people came and said, what must we do? Or if we look at the Philippian jailer, came to uh, Paul and Silas and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? If we look at the uh, Apostle Paul's Conversion, Acts 9, after he was struck down, and he trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And Jesus said, 
Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So many times, if we are open to these divine appointments, if we are opening, open to listening to others, to sharing the word with them, to being open to the Spirit's moving, God's word and his spirit will work. Perhaps it takes less, less of us than we really think or expect. Jesus in his, his ministry did, on the other hand, at one point, uh, the man that was born blind that he healed came back to him later and said, do you believe on the Son of God? There may be times when the Spirit prompts us, and we need to ask someone, are you ready to believe? Are you ready to believe on the Son of God? But again, many times God has sent his Spirit before us, and while we think that our, our wonderful speech, our wonderful sermon is going to impact somebody, many, many times it's actually his word and the spirit that does the work for us. As we look at the challenges that we face in life to be in the world and yet not of it, I pray that each of us would think about, pray about having divine appointments. That each day we would ask the Lord for divine appointments, that we would ask the Lord to work in our hearts and lives, that we would ask us to be ready, as it says in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So yes, it's important to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts. It's important for us to avoid the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But it's also important for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We can't hide. We can't wait and allow ourselves to become passive-aggressive. And we can't continually, aggressively fight unbelievers or sinners every day. 
But we can listen to the Spirit. We can not, uh, we can reach out. We can, if you'll forgive the Sheryl Sandberg expression, lean in, seek those divine appointments, seek ways that God wants to use us in the day, and ask him to be there working in someone's heart through the power of his spirit, through the power of his word, and through the power of his son. For we know that ultimately it's Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that paid the price for our sins as a sinner. We know that that sacrifice was not for us only, but for the whole world. And we know that God is not willing that any that any should be condemned, but that all would come to the knowledge of Christ. May God bless his word.